Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get in zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This is the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview. It is Browns Week, Rivalry Week. Steelers getting ready to invade Cleveland, Ohio on Sunday and take on the Browns in a game that, uh, Matt, I don't know about you, but I feel like the season is going to take... I see what a, you're saying. A path here. Yeah. Uh, you know, to this point, you win one, you lose three, you win a couple, you still kind of don't know where you're going or how you're going to get there. I feel like uh, we're coming to a fork in the road. And on the right side is contender. Yeah, right, right. And on the left side is probably not good enough this year. Yeah, I, I think we are at that point. And not just because they're coming out of the bye, but that's part of it. You know, like even – Losses against the Raiders and especially the Bengals right now look a little better, don't they? Look a lot better than the you know the Monday afterwards, and maybe wins against the Broncos and Wilsonless Seahawks aren't that impressive, you know. I mean, so we have more data at this point. So they're winning great and they're losing, or they're winning poorly and they're losing great. <laughs> right? How about that? You know. So and you know the schedule also sets up if they can get a win here in Cleveland. The next two games are favorable. You know, all things can change very quickly around here. And all of a sudden, you're rolling. But um, this game in particular gives me some pause. And I'm sure, you you know, we always start the show going over the, the injury report. The, the Browns injuries might be the story of the show right now. You know, like, who's playing? Who isn't? What are you going to see? Not even Baker Keenum so much. I, I'm not sure that's as big a deal as some of the other things going on. This yeah, season. a lot of guys on that uh, Browns participation report. Let's get to that, as we okay. always do, to kick things off. And before we do it, just remind everyone that uh, we're going to be with you till 8 o'clock tonight on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE, Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson, uh, as we always do it. And we will, of course, be joined by the third member of our crew, Merrill Hodge, for segment number two at approximately 7.20. We go full house backfield in the middle of the program. Heck yeah. But uh, we do kick things off with uh, the availabilities from practice. And uh, the Browns list is extensive. Uh, J. Devon Clowney did not work for a second consecutive day today. I'm not even going to give you the injuries because there's so many He's of them. like for, four of them, doesn't he? There's so many guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's a receiver off the bench, 
He hasn't practiced uh, this week yet. Uh, J.C. Treader, their starting senator. Senator. Center. <laughs> Might be a senator someday. He's a pretty Never smart know. guy. Uh, he was downgraded uh, from limited to did not participate. And Denzel Ward, the oh-so-talented cornerback, uh, did not work for a second consecutive day. Some of the other names of note, Odell Beckham Jr. limited two days in a row. Nick Chubb limited two days in a row. I think both of those guys are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Conklin, the uh, outstanding uh, all-pro, all-America tackle from the finest school <laughs> in all the I land. I wonder why you liked him so much. Now it adds up. He was uh, limited for two days in a row, but he has told reporters in Cleveland he's playing, he's ready to roll. Blake Hans, who filled in for him uh, against uh, the Denver Broncos a week ago, uh, limited. Malik Jackson, upgraded from did not practice to limited. Jarvis Landry, uh, upgraded from did not practice to limited. Baker Mayfield limited the last two days. Takaris McKinley showed up with a groin today as limited. That's mm, I a, didn't hear that one. One of the pass rushers coming off the bench. Uh, Jedrick Willis, uh, one of the starting tackles, limited two days in a row. Mac Wilson, uh, starting linebacker, upgraded from limited to full. So a lot to chew on there. Uh, I usually operate under the assumption when a guy's limited, he's probably going to play. Yeah, right, right. At least partially. But, but there was that, a couple that got downgraded throughout the week, though. You yeah. Know, that's always a bad sign. As you pointed out, it's not. It's beyond Baker Mayfield or Case sure. Keenum, which sure. to me is, well, it's I mean, kinda, I'd, I'd rather have Baker if I'm Cleveland, but I can win with Keenum. Yeah, I mean, you and I did a video today, and we went on the opposite side of the fence there, but I thought we both had good points, you know, that – uh, a banged up Baker to me doesn't scare me all that much. I didn't think he was playing great before the injury, but clearly he throws the ball better and is more talented. He's the first overall pick in the draft. Keenum's a backup that knows the system, and either way, they're gonna run the ball like crazy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, some of these other ones, um, Clowney and Ward, I mean, stick out to me as could be a big deal. Yeah, Cleveland hasn't had its uh, starting five on the offensive line. The guys at once. Yeah. Start a game all together as a fivesome since October the 3rd against Minnesota. Now that's supposed to be Jedrick Wills Jr. at left tackle, Joel Batonio left guard, Treader at center, Wyatt Teller at right guard, and Conklin at right tackle. They've been filling in as need be, sometimes one, sometimes two, uh, whatever the case may be. But uh, when they played that game uh, against the Broncos a week ago on Thursday, uh, they ran right through him. With Didn't really matter. Darius right. Johnson. A couple notes on that, and, well, it kind of goes back to what we said before. The Steelers' win over the Broncos might not look quite as good now as it did then. You know, they're on their fifth and sixth linebacker, I think, in Denver right now, and Von Miller left that game early, no chub. So their front seven in Denver is very problematic. Uh, but to your point, when right – I would take the the Browns' offensive line over all 32. I mean, they'd be my first pick of, of every line in the league. Um, better run blocking, and that's how they're built, of course, than they are in protection, but they're not slouches in that regard either. Um, I didn't realize the Treader injury, though. I mean, the starting center, yeah, that's, is, just, uh, that's kind of a new one. Went that's... from limited, uh, which he's a veteran guy on a Wednesday. He's probably, you know, yeah, taking you don't it think twice about it. But when he doesn't work today, I think it's uh, attention-getting. Right. I mean, and really worries me. I'm sure we'll talk to Merrill about this a fair amount. But maybe what worries me most about this game from a Steeler perspective is the defensive lineman not named Cam Hayward and their ability to protect the linebackers that aren't exactly Earl Holmes and LeVon Kirkland taking on blocks. 
So if the center's out and his ability to get to the second level and double teams and those things might lessen that concern a little, but just a little. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a scary group. You know, I should have looked this up uh, before the show. I, I, I don't know if any of these guys, uh, the Cleveland offensive linemen, uh, Conklin made all pro in Tennessee before mm. he came over uh, as a right tackle. But the rest of them, I, I think they're all good players. Very. Uh, uh, Betonio's been around a while. He's been yeah. pretty good. Teller is a really catching steam. but Teller might not be the name people know because yeah. he was a, a mid-round pick of the, of, the, of the Bills, and they cut him. He's really developed into a mauling 330-pound old-school guard. But where I was going with that, Matt, was I, I think they're better collectively than individually, which is probably true. It's the they're whole really idea. well coached. I mean, that's what you want, right? Yeah, really well coached. But there's talent there too. I mean, Jedrick Wills was right there with Tristan Wirfs as my favorite offensive lineman in that past class. I mean, he's a top ten type of pick. He's super talented out of Bama. Uh, it was a right tackle turned to left side in the pros. And this is a little off topic, but the Browns' offense. No team in the league is spending more salary cap money on their offense than the Browns. I mean, all these guys basically are high-priced or early picks, and that's in every position on this side of the ball. And I really bring that up because, well, for two reasons. First off, they know that Mayfield needs protected. I'll put it that way. you know. And they're spending that much money on that side of the ball without having a $30 million quarterback. I mean, so they understand Not what, yet. what, you know, it, 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 teams tell you what they think with where they put their money. Browns, uh, I mentioned all those injuries, and uh, it was a time, Matt, where that would have really got my attention. Mm -hmm. But I watched the game against Denver Thursday night, and more significantly, I watched the playoff game last January at Heinz Field when Cleveland had offensive linemen that had been picked up off the street right. introducing themselves to Baker Mayfield in the locker room before the game. <laughs> the coach had COVID. The head coach wasn't even there, and we all saw what happened. So I, right. I am now uh, assuming that the Browns cobble it together somehow and are representative. Yeah, good point. I mean, snapping the ball over Ben's head early in the game was a big deal, but the Browns were the better team. Let's not just excuse the, the playoff loss away from, oh, the Steelers didn't play well or, you know, gave it away. Um, Stefanski was coach of the year last year. Would have got my vote. Well-deserving. Really, for the first time, I mean, including when I was there many moons ago, <laughs> <laughs> that I think they have the right guy. Sure and, looks like you know, it. And they have a plan. They're very analytically based front office, um, and they've also have the benefit of having a lot of early draft picks and a lot of cap space. Steelers have a much rosier picture in terms of who is projected to be available. Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger, upgraded from limited to full today. Normally, he takes Wednesday off. He actually did some stuff yesterday. Okay, I mean, they a little longer week, obviously. I mean, don't know if that was coming out of the bye or Cleveland mm -hmm. week, or maybe it's just that time. Uh, Melvin Ingram the third backup linebacker has been limited the last two days with a groin, and uh, there was that report from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that uh, was posted on Saturday, I guess, early Saturday morning, that uh, Ingram was dissatisfied with his playing time and wanted to be traded. I don't think there's any possible way they trade this guy because he has no leverage and they need him as uh, the third part of the three-headed monster. Yeah, I mean, and frankly, last week aside – He's played more snaps this year than I would have guessed. You know, I mean, he's been on the field a lot because Highsmith and Watts have not been. He's been very effective. Uh, 
you know, what are the Steelers going to get in return for him with his contract expiring after the year? Does it make any sense to move him for a fifth or sixth round pick? No, especially considering the depth behind Watt and Highsmith. So um, I, I think he's here for the long haul and maybe even following seasons. I, I think he's been a successful experiment. You know, they, uh, they're not in the habit of kind of folding the tent either. I mean, no. It, kind of sends a message. You're not, not going to trade this guy who's not a starter, but he's an important Quality piece. player, yeah. And get a draft pick. Right. Uh, if anything, they're going to add. Uh, if they're going to trade before the deadline next week, uh, you know, something that sparked my interest uh, studying Seattle uh, before that game and then watching the Seahawks, uh, what was that, Monday night or Sunday night? Saints game, Monday yeah, it night. was Monday night, yeah. Al Woods is playing some pretty good football, as we said before. He's exactly what the Steelers need, The Steelers-Seahawks It's a good name. What's that guy going to cost you? Fifth, not, sixth? Not much, right. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of a throwback nose that can move a little bit. He's hard to move off the line of scrimmage. Um, they need it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I can see an early pick next year being a defensive lineman. They haven't gone to that well early in the draft in a while. I certainly could see a trade deadline move. Tim Settles, another name from Washington, has been kind of thrown around. His contract's up. But you know what? These guys don't cost a ton. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the, the use of a nose tackle over the last couple of years has started to increase again. You know, that, that a lot of these teams are lining a guy up head up over the center and, you know, just makes everybody you know, a little freer in terms of their run fits. I, I got to admit, I did not think the loss of Tyson Aluala would be as catastrophic profound as it's been yeah and i thought he was a good player sure i didn't think he was bob lilly uh, <laughs> right to use a dated reference right and i don't even know if the other guys are terrible it's just warmly's not a starter i mean everyone needs to move down one rung on the ladder and i think we've had this conversation before but i think it's really prevalent now and this opponent that the Steelers are playing specializes in this anyway, I really think Steeler fans better get used to seeing heavy offensive personnel. I mean, I don't think you want the Steelers in nickel and dime as much as you want the old school 3-4 on the field because... No, you want to get three tight ends in yeah. and make them think you're going to run the ball, and then you want to spread them out and go empty and get yourself Jarvis Landry on Robert Spillane in the slot on third and two. Yeah. That, too. And move the chains. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking about it from I would rather see. I probably watched that play from the playoff game last year. <laughs> 400 times. I was going to say about 30. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it just it's classic orchestrating the matchup you want. Mm -hmm. they just, they We've put seen those, it a lot over the they years. They put yeah. those big guys in. The Steelers had the base in, and they just spread it out. Kareem Hunt's out on the wing. All the, their tight ends can all move and catch oh, the yeah. ball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um they got a good thing going on with that Cleveland offense. So just to finish the Steeler practice report, yeah, right. Uh, Chase Claypool upgraded to full. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring. Anthony, uh, more maintenance, I think, of late. Anthony McFarland, full participant the last two days. He's on the active roster. Zach Banner, full participant the last two days. And Eric Ebron added today, limited with a hamstring. Uh, McFarland's a guy I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. Because uh, it occurs to me... <laughs> Uh, that he was making a lot of noise in training camp, and then he went away, and you kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But, right. Uh, with all the stuff they're trying to do, uh, they were doing, when they were at Heinz Field at training camp, they were running a lot of stuff with Najee Harris and McFarland Together. in the game yeah. at the same time. And it wasn't running back fullback. It was Harris in the backfield, McFarland out on the wing, or mm -hmm. both guys in the slot, or uh, 
one guy in motion. Um, right. Anthony McFarland to me is a Matt Canada chess piece offensively. I, agree. I think there's a misconception about the guy in that I think some people around here tend to think that he's Dree Archer or Ray Ray McLeod. This guy and J.K. Dobbins were the number one running back recruits in the country coming out. So they're not gadgety players. He's fast. He's not 230 pounds, but he's a well-built guy that you can hand the ball to and he can run between the tackles. So where I'm going with this is I, he is also the, the jet sweep Canada guy for sure. He can run some routes. Or the matchup guy. Get, him, the in the, matchup get guy. him in their base and spread him out. Absolutely. I mean, kind of like you were saying about Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I mean, he can do those things. They can go empty with Harris and him on the field. You know, they you might get heavier personnel if they call him a running back. You know, so he puts people at conflict. And, you know, his rookie year, I feel like we have no feel exactly for what he is. You know, because they didn't trust him early in the year. They could, didn't know if they could put him in protection. So there's a lot of ability there, and he's kind of been the forgotten guy. Yeah, some of those guys, uh, last year's draftees and, you know, rookie free agents. Mm -hmm. It's hard. The untraditional preparation period, no OTAs, training camp was goofy, no preseason games. Some guys overcame it. Chase Claypool overcame it. Mm -hmm. I I thought Anthony McFarland did not. Uh, I, I remember him last year as a guy who seemed to be running too fast for his own good. When he'd get the ball, wasted motion. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. seemed to be like falling over and it, a little out of control. And then everybody remembers the fourth down pass against Washington when they had him on John Bostick. Yeah. Uh, you know, the perfect match. Ding, ding, ding. Right, John, yeah, ba- right. John Bostick couldn't cover you or me. <laughs> and Roethlisberger threw it back shoulder, and the kid had no idea how to go up and get the ball and is incomplete. Roethlisberger said afterward, I should have put it right on him because he's a running back. Not Still. a receiver, but right. the play was there to be made. Didn't make it. Training camp this year, Matt, he started catching the ball, and that's really when I first started noticing. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, he caught another one. Yeah, hey, yeah. I uh, guess he can do that after all. I don't know that he'll ever be a Lev Bell, Harris-type route runner, but he's going to be a capable receiver that if you get him on the Bostics of the world, is going to exploit that more often than not. And to take it a step further, I mentioned J.K. Dobbins earlier. Even like all the rookie running backs from last year, the the early drafted guys, Dobbins, Akers, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, I love to do that. And (laughs) all those guys, the first month or two of the season started very, very slow. And, you know, you just can't quite trust him in protection. Didn't have preseason. So, you know, a guy that's a a mid-round pick isn't going to get the same opportunities as those dudes. So, I I still have high hopes for McFarland. Interesting you bring up trust because the uh, Steelers OC, Matt Canada, was talking about that today. And I was asking him a couple questions. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued by McFarland's availability. Not that I think he's going to get 18 carries and 120 yards, but 8, 10, 12 snaps here and there in the right spot and get – get one of these matchups orchestrated that we've been talking about. Yeah. I think this kid can impact the game, even if he doesn't actually touch the ball. I think yeah. he can dictate a coverage somewhere else, and I think you got to get him in there. I mean, the offense could use a little juice. It's, uh, it's lurching forward a little bit the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but uh, it's certainly not Eric Coriel yet. Um, I- I'm 100% with you. I mean, just a quick example Let's say kind of like you were talking How about. about I'm going with all this Bob Lilly, Air Coriel. Oh, we were old old school stuff here. Yeah, huh? I should have brought up Curly Culp with your <laughs> nose tackle stat. Uh, but think about it. They have two receivers on the field, Fryermuth, Harris, and McFarland. Well, people are going to call that 21 personnel. So should we come out in our base? Well, if you do, 
you're going to have the Bostic linebacker issue we keep bringing up here. And if you don't, maybe you're going to have a, a hard time dealing with a heavier running game. So that in itself, I think, is interesting. And maybe it's only one series or a short stint, but it wouldn't break my heart to give Harris a breather late in the second quarter or third quarter after he's been beaten up a little bit and bring the, the change up in and, and hand him the ball with some traditional runs too. Now he's, he's missed a lot of time. McFarland has yeah, and yeah. Uh, Canada talked about the, can he pick up where he left off? And the answer to that question was, well, we'll, we'll see, but I'm it's not hard sure where he left off. It's hard to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he was doing all this stuff in training camp. Do they still trust him that he can still do all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And boy, that's a there's a high price to find out in a live game. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, maybe this week fourth down you throw it to him against Washington, and the price <laughs> to pay is you turn the ball over if he can't do it. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know how much you'll play, or maybe they're looking at him as a down the road guy. But uh, to to revisit our point at the uh, outset of the show, I think this is kind of an all hands on deck, find a way type of game. And oh yeah, uh, you know if you got to take some chances, take them because. You need to take them now. Yeah, it's a pivotal, pivotal game. I think you're 100% right. And maybe we're a week ahead of ourselves on McFarland or a month ahead of ourselves on McFarland. But it is an interesting new addition, as is I'd hate to see him emerge four weeks from now and the record is, uh, you know, four and eight. And so what? Right, right, right. But, I mean, he's still a puppy, and this team's very, very young. And that math actually isn't right, but you get the point. Yeah, I wasn't going to call you out. Michigan State guy, you know. So, such is life. But, no, I, I think him and Banner and Ben resting his old bones should all be useful type of things for this, this offense coming up a bye. Got a lot more to get to, so all keep right. it here. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Merrill Hodge, and he's going to tell us how the Steelers can stop that Browns running game. I can't wait for this because <laughs> I'd like to know myself with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. This is Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Matt Williamson and Mike Pursuta with you until 8 o'clock tonight, breaking down the Steelers at the Browns this coming Sunday in Cleveland. We are joined now by the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge, and this a much-anticipated segment, as always. But, Merrill, when we texted before the show just to kind of take each other's temperature, you said you had all the answers to stopping Cleveland's running game. Please, the floor is yours. <laughs> take it away. No, I, I said how you can stop it. I oh! going to stop it. <laughs> Was well, it even possible, <laughs> theoretically? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, um, you know, you just can't allow explosive plays at the end of the, the day, and you can't let them be consistent. You know, can they get a run here and a run there? Well, sure. Um, that's your ultimate goal is to not let them get in any rhythm. Because when they get in a rhythm, you know, their run action stuff that they do so well just is more effective. doesn't mean you can't do run action. You know, people all say, oh, you got to run the ball. You know, once you run the ball, you can run run action. I'm going to tell you this. Jaws and I, for 22 years together, would laugh when we heard people say that because – we would watch all the tape of the, of the previous Sundays. We would jot down how many times a team would run hard run action after never running the football and get everybody and <laughs> fool everybody. You know, like, I'm, I'm telling you this, the Tennessee Titans, before they even leave the locker room, 
they have one-on-one matchups on the outside because they're going to sell hard run action. <laughs> they're going to already have the safety in the box. They already create that before they eat for what they've established. So uh, they can still do those type of things. It just doesn't make it as effective when you don't have to bite things as hard and you're not getting beat down with the running game. Once they start beating you down, you know, you have to give up somebody to the box. So that's one big problem. And then you're going to really dictate what coverages they're in. And there it's easier to attack a team. You know, that's why you do it. That's why run the football is so effective. It isn't just, hey, let's run the football so we can run the football. There's a reason for that. I'm going to reduce what you can do defensively. I'm going to make it simpler for me in the passing game. That's ultimately what the running game does. So that's why it's a big challenge for them. And if they can neutralize it and they don't have to keep giving up a safety to get in the box, it'll behoove them, you know, to have a chance to win this game. Merrill, you mentioned the Titans. And I look at Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb as maybe the two best ball carriers in the whole league. Just hand them a football, old school, 1980s type of runners. But I also think, and you kind of alluded to this, that the Browns might be on that top tier with a team like the Titans with their run action and how well they do it and how well they manipulate defenses. Um, Yes, they're not as um, successful with it, though. You know, I'm telling Baker Mayfield, um, as much as I like him coming out of Oklahoma, he really – he's their weak link. Yes. At the end of the day, he's their weak link. Um, You know, when you watch – um, Keenan play. I'm telling you, this offense ain't no different. I, just, I mean, it's the same. You know that Keenan has those. It's almost the same skill set, the limited um, skill set that that Baker has. You know, kind of, kind of shown. You know, he doesn't play well from the pocket. Actually, probably Keenan probably played a little better from the pocket. Um, for whatever reason, he just doesn't play well from the pocket. You know, that's why this boot action became such a bigger part of their game. Then he started to struggle. It wasn't very consistent there. so Merrill, not to interrupt you, but I think he struggles to see. I mean, he's not very tall. I think he has a hard time seeing from the pocket. Well, and I can, I would not disagree with that. Yeah. I'm not going to have, I've actually heard some people who are close to the Cleveland Browns say the same thing, hmm. you know, um, you know, I just go by what I, I mean, when you see it on tape, you just, he just, he misses some throws and you're just like, Whoa. I mean, just, you can't see, you can't miss, you know, and that's, you know, I could I could think I could riddle off a bunch of quarterbacks right now that keep doing that. You know, that are going to be, you know, that you just can't. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to cost you. It's going to it's going to cost you when it matters. Is when it's going to happen. You know, maybe not during the season on a consistent enough basis to where you do get the playoffs. But once you get the playoffs, you get exposed for stuff like that. Merrill, let's say just for sake of argument, the Steelers have to commit eight to the box. Are you that concerned? That uh, the passing game suddenly opens up? Because watching uh, Cleveland last time out, I mean, as Matt pointed out in our first segment, Beckham and Landry were playing, but they were not playing well, and they didn't look especially healthy. Yeah, I I mean, listen, I I, I like my people, meaning the Steelers defense, if I got one-on-one matchups out there, you know, in this environment. Now, listen, sometimes you got to give eight in the box just because they put enough people to bring eight in the box too, you know, that, that's get, that gets lost too. I mean, you start bringing, you know, two tight ends in the game and, you know, one back or a tight end and a fullback or three tight. End. I mean, shoot, you got to commit to, um, they got too many people in there. So you'll, you, that'll bring eight in the box just by a formation and personnel. Um, now 
to get those one-on-ones on the outside, you know, when you do want a safety down there, let's say you're going to run blitz, because they did that against the Raiders a little bit. And I expect them to do that in this game. They're not going to live on that, but they're going to try to do it in a timely fashion and based on tendencies. Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to do that. Um, and, yeah, you got to hold – got to trust your guys on the outside to hold up. And I, I just think the way their quarterbacks are playing and how the secondary is playing for the Steelers, I, I would trust that if I have to do that several times in the game. Merrill, the, the Browns, by a wide margin, run more 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends, one receiver, yeah. than any offense in the league. I mean, I think not only – is that really hard to prepare for during the week because you just don't see it? But what other challenges does that present with blocking angles and round concepts? I mean, it's just unique. Well, yeah, it is. You know, I'll tell you this. There's, I don't know where Chubb stands as far as playing. Um, I kind of think that he's he's going to play. Um, they like um, when he plays, they run more power O. You know, now that might mean nothing to anybody out there. But, you know, you get your your – your run names by how they block things. Okay. So they'll use three tight ends. We'll say in that power. O, and they pull a guard and you have a bunch of bodies attacking either side of the formation. Right. And then your runner, your runner is a Chubb is actually awesome at this stuff. Cause he gets in that hole. He presses that hole. And if you make a mistake on the perimeter, he gets to the perimeter. So they force you to defend a lot of things. Although I know you got to defend these three things all times with the run, but with Chubb and these three tight ends, it makes it harder because of the different ways they can block that power. Oh, you got to win the line of scrimmage. You got to win at the point of attack. And you can't give up contain. You know, I mean, that happens that fast and you have different, if you're the contain guy and you have a couple of two tight end formation at you, they can change up how they block you. And you just can't lose leverage and you can't lose contain. You might do well to line of scrimmage, point of attack, and then Chubb bounces it on you. So, I think that's some of the problem or the difficulty in handling a running game that uses tight ends at the line of scrimmage. And they'll even put a guy in the backfield, too, you know, as a fullback. Let's flip it around, Merrill. Can the Steelers nudge the ball forward on the ground against these guys? And more importantly, can they protect? Yeah, well, I think the protection is would be my biggest concern. You got, you know, you got, you got a rookie on one side. And two guys that, you know, have not played particularly well consistently. That, that's going to be a problem. you got two guys that can get after you. Now, the one guy is more consistent um, than, the, than the other. Miles Garrett is a beast. Jadavion Clowney, I mean. You're a big fan, he's right? A fun, dude, he's the funnest <laughs> player to watch. I watch him every week. I watch the Cleveland Browns defense every week just for him because, to his credit, now, there's three-thirds to a game for him. One-third, he's going to make mental errors. When he makes the mental errors, you know it because he starts hitting his head with both hands. <laughs> he hits his helmet, right? At least he it's does the it. funniest – yeah, he does. That's what I love about him. I'm like, he's acknowledging it right now. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, he's responsible for containing. He's running up the field. The Cardinals, okay, the Cardinals game. It was the best because he, he kept going uh, beyond the quarterback and giving him an escape route and passing lanes. And, like, the third time, he just starts hitting his head, right? I was, like, crying. I was crying laughing. <laughs> anyway. So there's, there's a third there that he's going to make mental errors. He doesn't. He does. He's not a really gifted pass rusher. He's just extremely athletic. So you get your hands on him, you'll neutralize him, and he quits. You know, and there's a lot of times he just surrenders. He's not a bender. But then, the, well, he, listen, he has not, he, listen, the guy, actually, we, ESPN, made him a star. 
when the bowl game, when he, which was his forte, this is his strength. This is what they did in, in college. With him. It's one of the great plays in college football history, Merrill. Okay. Right. Okay. But I'm going to say this. It was one of the biggest accidents in college football history, too, by the way. Okay? That, was, that was a pure accident. I just he meant it was great because it happened life. to a Michigan guy. <laughs> Okay, okay. Okay, I, I don't have no dog in a fight with that aspect, okay? So <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all that stuff. Okay, I'm just talking about the actual play. Now, he slants inside. He runs into the running back. He has no clue. He just is so fast and so so quick. It was the perfect storm. The quarterback holds the ball out. The running back can't make a move because the quarterback has him pinned. He's got to take the handoff, and all this happens simultaneously. Ball pops in the air. I think he even recovered the fumble, too, if I remember right. And here's what we did. We played it 1,197 <laughs> times. And people think that's how he plays every play. Right. That was one play. It was a perfect action because then I could tell you, I could show you 25 plays in his college career. He did the exact same thing and completely missed everybody because he was out of control and it was a different play called. So in the – in the pros, he still is dynamic and can blow up play. The other third, he is he can be disruptive on on plays um, unless you get your hands on him. And he is very athletic, but he is not a great pass rusher per se. In that he's he's got counter moves, he's got that speed, and if he gets you, it's over. Now, if you get your hands on him, he's over, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. That's I mean. I say it's that simple to me because his speed is unique now for his size. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. He's got quickness and speed. But if you get your hands on him, it's over. And that would be the most important thing. If you can just get your hands on him. Miles Garrett, you know, he's a completely different beast. He has all of that and and so much more. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to help. They'll, they'll do things, you know, where they can get a back, a chip on one, a tight end to help elsewhere. And once you secure, you know, you can be checked down. So, it doesn't necessarily kill your passing game. You'd like to get everybody out, but, you know, you at least give your quarterback a chance to throw it, which is the most important part. Merrill, I don't know if you have a strong opinion on this because I don't. And I've been asked over and over, Zach Banner's healthy. Do you put him in at right tackle? Do you move Chooks to the left side? Do you just keep it with the five you've been rolling with that's starting to kind of progress slowly? Do you get Joe Haig involved? Do you use a sixth offensive lineman? You know, what would you do in terms of yeah. the starting O-line? Yeah, see, this is where you need to be in those meetings. Yeah. You need right. to have a personal touch and feel with what's going on. And that's the, you know, listen, fans don't have that. We don't have that. And it's pure, it's pure speculation. Now, I put myself in a in, in that environment. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, you know, with you, when you're with the guy, they are getting better, you know, and it, and it isn't, it, people haven't been so egregiously awful that I'm just like, we got to get this guy out the field. You know, they, everybody's had their moments, unfortunately, but, you know, I, I think they've continued to earn their stripes. You know, at the end of the day, you have to be realistic too and fair. You got five new guys, you know, a couple of rookies. I mean, that's a big ask. I don't think people appreciate what a big ask that is, you know, and, and they're slowly getting. I think they'll start back. appreciating it when uh, Garrett lines up against Moore. <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> let me just tell you this. This is a true test. You know, this is, and I hear they've had a couple weeks too. So you, I would expect game plans on both sides to have some details like this to help you, you know, to help you, you know, on the, on the offensive side, help against those pass rushers 
schematically, defensively, let's do some things that uh, we can blow their run up, you know, that we can really disrupt what they're trying to do with their running game. You know, that's one thing that the bye week does give you time for. Merrill, I got a philosophical question for you here. Uh, having oh, having played as long as you did, uh, Matt and I were kicking this around, but I'm really curious as to your opinion. This feels to me like a game that's going to dictate the direction in which the Steelers' season heads. You know, they, they had that phenomenal win in Buffalo to start things, but it was just the opener. Then they had a three-game losing streak, but it was awful early. Now they've won a couple yeah. in a row, but they didn't exactly beat the 85 Bears and the 67 Packers. This is a road division game. You're already 0-1 in the division. Cincinnati and Baltimore starting to get a little separation. You got to get the, you got to get this done, don't you? If you're going yeah, if you're I, going that, anywhere, that, that's um that's that's truly what makes the NFL great. Is it, it every week you could create and you could create a scenario as you're creating, and I'm not going to say you are wrong because I think you're 100 right based on what exists right now. It is a critical win. Now that being said, there's still a lot of football left, but um, I'm, you know, agreeing with you. You know, you win this one, especially on the road. Now that that's you know, that's a caveat on the road because you got to go, you you got them again, but that'll be in your house, and that that does feel a lot better if you have one, or that you had one if you beat them at their place. And I think they finish, don't they finish in Pittsburgh? No, yeah, they do. It's, it's towards. The, towards the end of the year then or close to the end of the year then is my guess but anyway um yes i mean that's what i love about it maybe that's how critical it looks because this might be the one where you look back and go man we had we won that one man we get to the playoffs i mean that's <laughs> that's how this these that's what man, it really makes makes the great the league so great in my perspective and it's the anticipation of every week you know, it's not like baseball. You have best out of three, World Series best out of seven. You know, everybody, yeah, we lost two in a row. Big deal. We're going to come back. You know, if you lose two now, your playoffs are over. So, um, uh, this is, yes, I don't think there's any doubt this is this is a big one. But that all being said, there, there's still a ton of football left, too, to be played. You know, and you will see them again, and you will see them at home. That is uh, January the 3rd, by the way. Cleveland visits Pittsburgh, and then the Steelers finish. Uh, at the Ravens on the ninth. But I guess where I was kind of going with that last question, Merrill, is, uh, you know, coaching is a factor and being a professional is a factor, but the juice that's required to keep getting at it every week well enough to win the upcoming game on Sunday. I mean, it, you get a little beaten down at some point, do you not, uh, psychologically, well, mentally? Uh, yes. you, you start seeing the writing on the wall at some point. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that's when you hope you got good, good character people, you know, um, and, and you built your, your team around those type of people. And that's when you, you get to you test that side of you. Um, but it is, there's no doubt that's much harder. I think, I was thinking about funny you, you asked that thing, for whatever reason, I popped into my head. I'm like, man, losing in the NFL is the most horrific thing I've ever experienced. I mean, it's like from a job perspective, like, it's like, it's so you're embarrassed. Like on when it's payday, it's like you're embarrassed to get your check. I remember, oh gosh, I, I'm gonna try to hide and squeeze down and grab my check and leave <laughs> before direct deposit and stuff. Thank goodness for direct deposit; it doesn't feel that bad, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, it's a ba- it's so bad, man. When you that's how personal I took it. I mean, um, a lot of players do, but you know, this is you know, and it's and then this is a uh, I mean, and it's the Browns too. You know, I mean. 
it's a divisional rival. Um, there's a lot of history there and, you know, they've been kind of talking that they've, you know, they're, they're turning the corner, which I mean, I don't, I don't see them turning the corner. I just, they're much better than they were in the past, but I don't see them turning the corner. That's actually what I was going to ask you. If my last question was, is this the most impressed you've been with the organization really in the last decade, two decades? I mean, in terms of yeah. you know, quarterback aside, but coach and they have a direction. Yes, they do. And, and you know what? They got good, you know, they got good players yeah. on both sides, you know, that they build. And I, you know, I know people, which actually my, my nephew is on their practice squad. Um, so, you know, he's, you know, he's an offensive lineman over there. So he's, um, um, but I don't, I, this is not where I get, got any of this stuff. This actually stuff came way before this, because before he even, even got there is that, you know, people just feel like they got good players. They got good character players and the coaching staff they have is concrete and credible, you know, just all the cores that you need, you know, and I, I was hearing that a couple of years ago and, it's even more. I, I, the league I started, your call football. Shoot, um, one of my best offensive line coaches I ever hired was uh, Scott Peters, who's assistant offensive line coach over there. Great guy. I mean, fabulous technician. You know, and Callahan, the, the offensive coordinator, uh, offensive line coach, one of the best in football. Yeah. So they got a lot of really good coaches. You know, and they feel like they have good people and good core people. You know, so um, it's exciting for them. Listen, I'll, at the end of the day. Our league is better when other when listen when the Browns are better. Uh, couldn't I mean, agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. When the Raiders are better, we want to, you want teams to be better and be good. That's what makes it exciting. When they're not good, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's like ah, eh, it's when they're good. That's what matters. Yeah, you know? I grew so, I grew up on this game in the seventies. That was fun. Yeah, and yeah, I, it, you know, when I came into this league, that'd be my second game I ever played. And that was like, oh my gosh! And that, and we, we were gonna, if you remember right, we were gonna go on strike after this game. We were gonna make players decide we're gonna be unified. We're gonna go shake hands before the game. There was only one game where that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> did not happen. That's great. There was a that would be a heck no in our locker room and a heck no in their locker room. And it happened. <laughs> and it didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> Uh, Merrill, loved it as always. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, we'll talk again next week. Okay, gentlemen. Go Steelers, baby. <laughs> Merrill Hodge. I, I remember him telling that story before. I, I forgot until he brought it up. But, yeah, the, the whole unity thing and uh, Steelers Never and Browns. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> not, not those guys. Not with that. That's awesome. Got uh, a little bit more to get to before we get out of here tonight, so keep it with us until 8 o'clock with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Matt Williamson, Mike Pursuta here to put a bow on your Steelers-Browns preview. And, Matt, I wanted to crunch a few numbers here before we get out of here and get your interpretation of what these mean. You know, the Browns are the number two defense in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Is that by yardage? Yeah, by yardage. They're number two against the run. Yes. Uh, but if you look at their seven games. Their defense is really enigmatic in a way. It's, it's, it's interesting. And it, it kind of depends on who you're playing, I guess, as it does for everybody. But mm-hmm. against Patrick Mahomes, uh, Herbert from the Chargers, yep. and Murray from the Cardinals, they're averaging uh, allowing 414 yards a game. That's up from the 295.6 total. Okay. 
Pretty uh, good trio of quarterbacks. 304.3 yards passing, which is up from uh, their 215.1 aggregate total, mm-hmm. and 39 points, which is up from their 23.6. Now, the other four games against Houston, Tyrod Taylor, Chicago, Justin Fields. His first start. Denver, Teddy Bridgewater. And I threw Kirk Cousins in Minnesota in with those guys. Okay. I mean, I think he he's, could probably so, go either way. he's yeah, somewhere right. in the middle, but right, I don't right, think right. he's an elite franchise guy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Other, than, other than being supremely educated and having <laughs> oh, tremendous sure, character sure. and, and being He's a winner. He's on the MVP conversation, though. Now, the numbers against those guys, you're giving up 206.75 yards a game. You're giving up 148.25 passing yards a game. And you're giving up 12 points a game. Now, is that just a reflection of everybody is worse against the good teams and better against the bad teams? Or, yes. or does that – offer a window of opportunity that, hey, if the Steelers can play pretty well, these guys can be beaten. Well, I think we agree the Steelers are closer to group number two. Well, are they, or are we going to find out? <laughs> I get, um, Maybe they're closer to the, the Cousins-Vikings group. There you least. go. There we go. I'll Let's just split the yeah. difference. Um, here's what I see. They're good against the run, and those three teams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, Chiefs, aren't running teams, so they throw, and the, the pass defense is noticeably worse than the run defense. You know, they want to eat clock. And the one thing that I think is really interesting about this defense, I think they have eight new starters from last year. You know, first-round picks, free agents, Clowney, all these guys. All over the board. Malik Jackson. And JOK's not there. The cornerback. He's another one. You know I mean? So they've had a lot of growing pains with allowing big plays, communication errors. So – yeah, they stop the run, but they allow a lot of touchdowns. Like, they don't give up that many yardage, but they give up a lot of passing touchdowns. So, if we were looking at a glass half full from a Browns perspective is, oh, we just have a lot of new bodies. We'll get it right. You know, the, the back seven's learning how to play with one another. Or is this going to be a recurring theme all year? Because I do think they are a good run-stuffing team, and Clowney's good at that, and he's not a great pass rusher. You know, I mean, just him as an example – but it's very strange, and their stats bear it out with the same as the tape, is they make mistakes. Yeah, just to uh, put some context to what you said about all the new guys, uh, Newsome cornerback, first-round pick this year, mm-hmm. UFAs, Clowney defensive line, uh, Troy Hill veteran nickelback, uh, Malik Jackson starting defensive tackle, John Johnson starting safety, Tack McKinley uh, pass rusher yeah. off the bench, Anthony Walker three down green dot linebacker from Indy, uh, Malik McDowell one of my other Spartan brothers from another crazy mother, career path. He's had yeah. really a hard time establishing anything, but he's monster talent Keep and he's good for them. And he's playing well for Cleveland. Uh, the guy you mentioned, Jeremiah Owasu Kormoa, great second round pick, Looks phenomenal. new age kind of a hybrid linebacker, and he's on IR. So that might be the biggest missing link of all. It is. Missing he's piece. a great player, great young player. And two more names. I mean, the two LSU backs, defensive backs, they've drafted high, greedy and Delpit. Yeah. Neither one's played last year. But yeah, Delpit's a dime. I should have thrown right. him in. I yeah. Mean, those type of guys. I mean, a lot it's of moving new, parts. Right. But they're talented. They are. So maybe that's the opportunity. Uh, stay close enough to uh, make a play when or it counts. Or maybe the defense puts it all together and the Browns went out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or you know, or block knows. a field goal like Denver did. Steelers pretty good blocking kicks, and maybe this one will yeah. return 
for a touchdown, and it'll actually count. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Shirtless Tom behind the glass for keeping us on the air. Thanks to Merrill for joining us, as he always does. And thank you for finding us uh, wherever and however you found us. We'll do it again next Thursday. Till then, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You've been listening to Steelers Preview on the Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.